Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Kendall. How are you this Wednesday morning? I'm so good because we are in our new space. We are at Lighthouse Spiritual Center in downtown Mooresville. I know, recording for the first time. It, you know, I feel like it's been a, it's been a long, windy road. So pinch me. It's <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> long, windy road to 645 Carpenter Avenue. Um, but, you know, it's exciting that we get to have no, another place to bring all these people who we've had. It have been in our extended spiritual community. Mm-hmm. And we get to, like have a reason to be like, can you come and like circle up and let us hug on you for about an hour? <laughs> and lend your juju to the space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, we're in this 120-year-old house that um, that we have Lighthouse Spiritual Center out of where we are doing programs and classes and workshops um, for personal and spiritual development. And we want people to have a safe place to come and explore what that means for them, mm-hmm. and meet all these amazing teachers that are across the Charlotte Metro and way into the countrysides and going into the mountains, who are changing the um, landscape of what is possible in terms of personal journeys through through healing, mm-hmm. spiritual growth, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. People think it's not happening in the South. People who don't live in the South mm-hmm. think it's not happening in the South. Oh, it's happening in the South. It's happening, and yeah. that was one of the big impetuses for <laughs> us to open Lighthouse. We've been struggling with plural <laughs> this morning. But it was, you're right, because we felt called, We, you and I have felt called to, mm-hmm. um, to be a beacon of light here. Mm-hmm. Not to run away to California, not to run away to somewhere else. We know that we are assigned here. Yeah, we're assigned yeah. here. And it's well, mm-hmm. and from our own personal experience and our own personal journeys, we have experienced that it is happening in the community, but there just doesn't seem to be any cohesion with it. And we each have felt the lack of community in terms of who do we talk to about these things and where do we go? You know, there's been individuals, mm-hmm. but we um really feel called to hold the space for people we do the, yeah. the people providing the service and the healing and the teachings and the people who need the healing and the teaching exactly you know it's funny on the way here this morning I thought about how a lot of times when I describe you and I as partners mm-hmm. because we are so part of the circle as a yin and yang pair and um and it's really a, a blessing that I say over and over again doesn't happen a lot in a lifetime to meet that type of partner mm-hmm. but I'll say, well, Debbie's really good at holding space, and I'm really good at um, basically talking my head off. You know, I'm, I'm really good. I can work with you with language, right? But then I thought on the way here, that's not true at all, because for us to have this space, and with the intention that we have, we're both holding space for people to come and do their work and, and be of service to people who need it. And we've always said, same thing with the podcast, we don't want people to be isolated in their homes feeling these feelings, having these thoughts, having these callings, and not knowing where to go, where it's safe to... Who to talk to about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, here we are. We're at Lighthouse. We're in my office, which um, has taken on some very um, soft hues. This is how I'm feeling at this point in my Mm -hmm. life. So, And we have a powerful woman uh, here with us. I mean, seriously. When when I first saw Robbie Warren, Debbie, you already knew her. Mm -hmm. But I saw her, we were at Shift Charlotte, 
and I saw her across the room, and I was like, "Who that?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "There's like, there's like red hair everywhere. There's like a presence, you know." And I was like, "I." So I made a beeline over to Robbie. I was like, "And here's who I am, and you need to come on our show." And she just, in her cat, in her very grounded, very um, warm, she's like. Sure thing. <laughs> I don't know who you, girl, who you are, crazy woman, but okay, I'll come on your show. So Robbie Warren is is a medicine woman, and um, she's a shaman, and she has done a TEDx talk at TEDx Charlotte that's out on YouTube, and um, I highly suggest that everybody go and seek that talk out. Um, but. She is just doing the work, the shaman path work. And um, the name of her company is Otter Dance Earth Medicine. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and she also um, has her, goes by her medicine name, which is Otter Woman Standing. And so we're going to ask a little bit about that. But uh, I was fascinated by Robbie's journey on her TEDx talk when she talks about how she came into this because... Um, she was the daughter of a Baptist preacher. Granddaughter. Granddaughter. Granddaughter yes. <laughs> of a Baptist preacher. Guess what? Me too. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there's an amazing story there. So what we're going to talk about today is what the shamanism in a modern world, what that mm -hmm. is, why there's so many people that are interested in it, mm -hmm. and um, why we don't need to be afraid of it. Mm. And um, we're just going to kind of follow Robbie down this story path. So welcome to the show. Thank welcome, you. Robbie. I'm very excited. Yeah. yeah we're very just, excited. Yeah, we're like really tickled that you're here. I'm doing a little Snoopy dance in my heart. Oh, good. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. Dog medicine. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that'll be a whole new conversation. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Robbie, you... Um, I want to talk about, so you live, you kind of traveled an hour to see us today. You, right. You work out of a place called Sacred Grove Retreat mm -hmm. and have an otter dance community around you and offer all kinds of things. You work out of a yurt sometimes. You right. travel all over to see people. So can you just tell us a little bit about your work um, first? And then I want to know, I think we want to know the story of how this came to be. Right. Sure, my work. How do I describe that? Um, I think the the best way to describe what I do, um, in the in the purest sense of it, is I serve the community. I serve the community as a healer, as a counselor. Um, you know, journeying into the other dimensions, into the other spirit worlds for communication, for answers, for clarity and understanding. And, you know, I work in whatever way spirit directs and guides. So I am in service to the people through spirit. And, and that's the purest definition of what I do. What that looks like on a daily basis can be cuckoo crazy. I mean, seriously, it can be, you know, anything from removing cords to people to really sitting and counseling, you know, through relationship bumps and even through even more than bumps, you know. So it is about being in service. I have been present when babies are born, and I have been present when people cross over to the other side um, to help with those times, you know, from birth to death. 
So, which is truly the, I guess the the definition of a shaman, you know, is to be in service to the people. It's a spiritual service, um, and and shamanism is based in community. So, when I when I started down this path, um, I didn't even know what I was start, what path I was starting <laughs> down. You know, it it just kept evolving and unfolding, <clears throat> and. Um, at the core of my being, I wanted to be a part of a community. I, I had such a deep desire to feel connected to other people. And so through that desire, <clears throat> I started creating community. And I didn't even know that. I mean, when I first said, okay, auto dance, I didn't know what that was. You know, it didn't make any sense to me at all. And I started a Facebook group page years ago. It was just called Auto Dance, and I added a couple of friends, and then they added a couple of friends, and then I started sharing ideas, and you know, so to me, that was like the hub of the community that started growing, and then I had more and more people wanting to connect in, and so it's been an evolution. I wish I could say that I was clever enough to plan all of this, you know, to put out some kind of business plan and by the way I kind of cringe when you say my business name because it doesn't it's a community it doesn't feel ah, like a business yeah. yet it is yeah. it functions that way because yeah. it supports me but it also functions like um, the classic sense of a church because it supports the people and so you know um, the, the, the funds that come through go back into the community rather than you know like I say, my husband and I live in a tiny house, mm-hmm. not a mansion somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So the business end of it, it doesn't feel business-like to me, except that we have to organize it. You know, we yeah. do live in this world, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And so there are those attachments from this world that have to be paid attention to, sure. you know? Sure. People like to get their taxes and things like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but to me... It, it is about community. It, it's about a larger community. And the the community that has grown up through Otter Dance is global. And that to me is amazing, you know, that I'm invited to teach in these other countries and do ceremony in other countries. And, you know, thanks to technology, you know, I can be right there fully present for someone in South Africa. I, you know, it might be 6 a.m. my time and I'm still in my pajamas you know, it's noon for them, but we can have a Skype conversation and we can connect mm-hmm. in ways that we couldn't 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So technology has created a global community. So the hub of that community is here, you know, is here in this area and the largest part of the community. But people travel here to Sacred Grove for ceremonies from all over the world. So it's beautiful. Yeah. And what I'm seeing right now, the symbiosis of it, mm. I kind of see like <clears throat> an umbilical cord. Yes. Between you and the community and back, mm-hmm. it's like you feed mm-hmm. each other. It, exactly that, exactly that. Um, somebody once said, you know, the, um, referred to the community as something um, that, that I was a leader of. And I remember that when, when she said, oh, you're the leader of such an amazing community. I kind of, you know, it made me pull back a little mm-hmm. bit because I thought, oh, you know, I never wanted to be a leader mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be a part of, and I really sat with that for a while because I had to think about why do I feel pushback and resistance to that, Um, and it is because I believe that we're all leaders and we all create, and I am part of, Mm -hmm. 
What I do realize that, that is a better metaphor for me that makes more sense is that this community is a big wheel and there's a lot of spokes and a lot of moving parts and a lot of people that create that circle. Mm -hmm. um, and while I might be at the hub of it, mm -hmm. I'm not the leader of it. Mm -hmm. So I feel kind of like that connector. You're an integral component of. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I feel more like that connector of people. And I love watching people connect with each other, people who have never met, you know, find commonality in the Facebook page and they start talking to each other and the next thing you know, there's true friendships formed from people who've never met face to face. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a gift. Mm. So how did you I wanna go back to that conversation about business community and leader because that speaks to work that I love to do. So right. I wanna talk about that later. But um how did you come into this path? What was your previous life? <laughs> and yeah. um and yeah, tell us tell us a little bit of that because you touch on it in your TED talk a little bit. I I do, and it's funny because I I often refer to it as a past life, you know. And the more work that I do, and the more work I do with people's past lives, I realize it really does feel like that to me. It doesn't feel like this present lifetime, although it was. Um, I was an interior designer. And my clients were um, just some of the most incredible people. And um, most of the, you know, high, as I would call like high ranking business, banking, medical industry, things like that. And so the houses that I designed, I usually started with the architectural plans, working with architects all the way through building and to the end. So my clients would be with me for sometimes even three years. Wow. And um, it was really quite amazing. But, you know, some of the largest homes in Charlotte have my little thumbprint on, which is kind of cool, you know? I mean, sometimes I drive down, like, Queens Road, and I go, oh, okay, been in that house, done that house, did that one. You know, so that, that's fun. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved the creativity and working with people, which still goes back to speaking about that community, you know, but, it, but it, it was never going to be created in that aspect because business was booming and crazy and everything. And then 9-11 um, then happened. And um, when 9-11 happened, you know, we refer to it as 9-11. When, you know, when the attacks, I guess, is the common way to refer to it, happened, I was driving into work and I was listening on the radio and I was so intense not on what was happening on the radio, but about what I had to do that day and what calls I had to make and, you know, appointments and all of that. And I found myself feeling very annoyed because all I wanted to do was listen to music. You know, I just wanted to listen to the radio and they were interrupting. And then I thought, this is a joke. I started thinking about, remember the War of the Worlds that was a big joke? You know, what was that, like in the 40s? I thought, this is some kind of prank. The hoax, yeah. Yeah, and when they said a plane hit... The tower, I thought, you know, first thing, like a little tiny, you know, commute, you know, somebody driving their own plane or piloting their own plane. And so I found myself very annoyed. And when I got to my office, I had 18 employees at the time, designers and um, business managers. And I walked down the hallway and I could feel the tension in the space. And then I got even more annoyed because the open sign hadn't been turned around. You know, things hadn't been done that should have been done. Um... But as the day went on, um, well, as the minutes went on, it really hit me because one of my assistants said that her brother worked 
there in one of the towers, and then everything got real. So, um, you know, we brought a television into my um, design studio space, and it wasn't hooked up to anything, it just had rabbit ears, and so we brought it in, and so we were watching on the fuzzy screen, you know, with some kind of rabbit ears, and I remember just watching and seeing both the towers fall, and I just, in that moment when I saw that, I started questioning everything. Like, nothing made sense to me. Nothing made sense. And I told everybody there, I said, just go home. Everybody just go home. I don't know what to do, just go home. And so um, I didn't call anybody back to work for about a week. I said, we just, you know, and mostly because my heart was just reeling and I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a personal connection there. I didn't know anybody there. Um, and I, it, I could feel it in my being. Um, so, you know, between that experience and the few following days where, you know, people started speaking out with accusations about who was responsible and what was happening, I remember thinking, you know, what is the difference between me here just trying to earn a living and trying to do my work and, and create some sense of happiness. What is the difference between me and a Muslim woman who is in the Middle East somewhere mm -hmm. um, trying to keep her family happy, to do her work, to, you know, whatever her work may be, whether it was out of the home or in the home, but what was the difference? What suddenly made her an enemy? I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. it, it just didn't make sense. And so that questioning started a, just a whole level of exploration for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I had, in October, mid-October, had a conference planned in New York City, a design conference that I was going to attend. And I um, switched and I, I, my flight, and I went up a few days early. Mm -hmm. And I went down to Ground Zero, and I went down to um, the space. And... You know, I could probably tell that story would take an hour, but I had such a phenomenal spiritual experience standing there on ground zero. I got behind the barricades, um, didn't even know I was really getting back there, and the only thing I knew to do standing behind those barricades was to pray. And I had never prayed out loud in my life other than the things I'd been taught when I was a kid. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. And I prayed out loud and everything went silent. I couldn't hear, you know, the cleanup, the crews, the, the tractors, the noises. I couldn't, the jackhammers. I couldn't hear any of that. I just heard my voice praying. And I found myself praying for all the people who lost their lives. I prayed for their families. I prayed for the people who commandeered those planes. I prayed for their families. And I don't know why it just evolved. And as soon as I felt complete in that prayer, all of a sudden, all the noise came back. I could hear, mm -hmm. and I was like brought back to this space. Mm -hmm. And that moment, I think, changed me forever. Yeah. That moment changed me forever. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so my path changed in that moment. You know, you're the first person that we've ever interviewed where it's almost like you shifted into another reality from 9-11 mm -hmm. and I know that a lot of people did but um, you know when you speak what I hear is that that first big remembering of you as a medicine woman mm. was birthed 
by this tragedy. I think so. I mean, it yeah. seems like that was the awakening of that. Because what would a medicine woman do except for connect mm. deeply in that way? Mm. Um, and, and it's hard to hear you tell that part because uh, I can't imagine. You know, I didn't go there, and Debbie, you didn't go there right at 9-11. Mm-mm, not yeah, at the time. So, but, um, so then you have to go back to your company. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. that was probably a little hairy. After it felt crazy, yeah, it felt crazy because you know, sitting at my desk again trying to make appointments. The thing that I was so annoyed that I couldn't do in the moments that 9 11 happened, that the attacks happened, now I had to figure out a way to do it, being feeling completely changed, you know, and because it didn't feel important anymore, except I didn't know what else to do. That's all I knew was to do that work to make the next appointment, to design the next house, you know. But I didn't feel connected to the work in the same way that I did before. And um, I also felt in those weeks after I went to Ground Zero, I felt very heavy. And I, and I could not, I didn't have words for it then. I understand what it is now. Energetically, I was carrying, you know, the, just from being in that space so much. And not only energetically, you know, when I left Ground Zero, my shoes, I had to throw them away. Because the dust that was kicked up on them, everybody else where I was standing was in hazmat suits. And I was there in street clothes. But the dust on my shoes wasn't just building debris, and I, and I had to throw them away. Um, so, you know, everything was different now. And so I was carrying this energy and this weight that I didn't understand and it didn't feel like mine, except I was angry and snappy and you know, not patient, and well, patience is a challenge for me anyway, but (laughs) all of those things. And someone suggested to me, they said, you need a purification ceremony, Mm -hmm. you need a sweat lodge. And I said, I have no idea what you're saying, and yes. And so a friend of mine knew of a place in Tennessee called the Center for Peace that um, held regular sweat lodge ceremonies. And so we called them and asked for a private ceremony, and they said yes. So, um, so within, within three weeks of being at, a, at Ground Zero, I found myself in a sweat lodge. And that experience just catapulted me. You know, if Ground Zero changed everything, the sweat lodge catapulted me into a, a reality that I didn't know existed in this world. Mm-hmm. And it was the reality of connecting to all of creation, to Mother Earth, to um, connecting to the spirits and the other dimensions and understanding that we are all connected and we are all related. And at the end of that sweat lodge, I didn't want to get out. And the lodge leader, Perry, he was so amazing. He said, you really do have to leave. (laughs) You know, you really have to get out. But when I went in, it felt familiar. I, I have always been afraid of small, dark places, and this is a small, dark place. And when I put my head into the doorway, it was dark, it was hot, there were stones already in there, and I could smell um, sage and things that I couldn't identify burning in there, which I found out later was copal and frankincense. And, um, and, and it was nothing I'd ever experienced, but when I put my head into that doorway of that sweat lodge, all of my fear went away. And I knew I was home. And I didn't even know where home was. Mm -hmm. But I knew I was home. And it was familiar. And that moment put me on this path. Mm. So, 
Yeah. Wow. And so you talk in your in your story a little bit. You you went back and forth to Tennessee for a while mm-hmm. and connected with some Native American mm-hmm. um, mystics and tribal medicine people. And then and then um, my understanding is that your journeys have also taken you to quite a few other countries. Yes. <laughs> so what is it that you've been searching for and studying on and and contributing to all over the world? Oh, well, let's see. Do we have three hours or four hours? <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful. With yeah, I know. Um, so the first time I left the country on a spiritual journey, I went to South Africa, and that was in 2007. So it was 10 years ago. I went to South Africa with one of my teachers. Her name's Jean White Eagle, and she had a vision. Um, in my world now, I understand that, you know, I understand the word vision is different from your glasses, but um, so she had a vision that was given to her from spirit um, for a medicine dance, and a medicine dance um, is a prayer dance, is a healing dance, and and her dance is called the For the One dance, and that For the One Mm -hmm. reminds us that we are all one, that we are all connected, and it brings us back to that center place, and so I had danced that dance here in the States, and when she said, we're going to South Africa. I knew I had to go. I had never even thought or dreamed I would find myself in Africa. Well, maybe dreamed because it's really amazing, but I never thought it would happen. So um, I left for five weeks. I left my business. I still had the business then. And I said to everyone who was working with me, this is yours for five weeks. I'm gone. I won't be in contact or anything. So I went to South Africa and I met... Um, some amazing people from many, many walks of life. But the ones that I met there that really shifted me in a deep way were the Sangoma. They are the um, traditional healers of the tribal people there. Mm. So the, the um, Sangoma that I met were Zulu. And, um, and their, um, their apprentices who were from all over, you know, every color, you know. So they, they teach and share their... Um, their spiritual path with many, many people from around the world. And so I was lucky enough to spend some time with them and to be in ceremony with them and to have them ask me to hold ceremony with them. And, you know, I was kind of looking around at all the people that were gathered and for them to ask me, I had never led anything. I had always just been, I shouldn't say just, I had always been a part of. And I had never stepped into that place of, creating the ceremony and they asked me to do that in a very sacred site of the ancestors up on top of a mountain and <laughs> it was the most incredible thing and the I think the 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 most profound memory that I have of that seems kind of strange but the gogos we call them the gogos they're gogo is a term of endearment there and it means grandmother so gogo nomzamani and gogo imzanyati and gogo hugh were t- leading us up the mountain, and they were dressed in white, and they had their shobas in their hand. The shoba is a wildebeest tail, um, kind of on a handle, and they, you know, would swing. <laughs> you could hear it, you know, swish. Imagine a horse's tail. It sounds like that. And they're climbing up, and you know, um, I thought I was in okay shape, but and I looked at them and thought, I don't know how these women are going to get to the top of the mountain. They like sprinted. And I was halfway up, and I look up, and, and Gogonom Zamani in her white 
you know, cape and her white skirt, and she had pulled up over the cape up over her head to cover her head because she was about to step onto sacred ground. And she turned to me and she said, "Go, go, 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 come, come!" And she started swinging the shoba around, you know, her head and the sound of it. And I am standing there looking up at her, and I thought, "This, this is what I'm doing right now in this moment." This is what I'm doing. I am climbing a mountain with a go-go <laughs> who is swinging a wildebeest tail at me, encouraging me. This is my life now. This is my life. Yeah. It was amazing. It was profound. It was profound. Yeah. And, and they were so open in sharing with me and teaching me. And, um, yeah, they were just so open. And I was so full of questions and, you know, just so full of everything probably yeah. <laughs> then yeah. yeah so do you when you come back from something like that mm-hmm. um do you make some other trips overseas before you're like can't do this business anymore have mm-hmm. to do this thing now what happens then um i think the second time i traveled was back to south africa in 2009 and it was at the same time that i closed um the business And in all honesty, I closed the business kicking and screaming. It was the only thing I knew, and it was, I thought, my lifeline to my livelihood. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And 2008 happened, which was the crash in the mortgage market Mm -hmm. and the housing, um, yeah, the housing crisis. And my whole existence was based on people building new houses. Mm -hmm. And so... I look back on it now and I see spirit doing for me what I didn't have the courage to do for myself. But I mean, it took me a year clawing at that last vestiges of that old life and holding on to it, um, you know, and, and, and losing the ability to pay my employees. And, you know, it just dwindled down and dwindled down. And so um, I didn't have any money. I, had, I think I had $300 in the bank, and I knew I had to go back to South Africa, and I didn't know how I was going to do it, um, and I trusted. I actually sent a letter out to everyone that I knew, and I said, I have to go, and I don't have the means, and people started sending me $10 or $50. Bit by bit, it all came in. In the end, it came in to the penny of what I needed for the plane ticket, And then someone in South Africa said that they would pay for my food while I was there. And, you know, again, that was the first time I traveled to another country free, you know, free Mm. of the obligations here. And again, I have so many, I keep saying, and that changed my life. (laughs) (laughs) It is, I'm going to say it one time too many, and it's going to sound so trite. But it really did. You have a lot of good markers. Yeah, it really did, you know, just being able to do that. And since then, yes, um, I have been invited to teach in other places. To um, I did a drum making in South Africa. I've, you know, taught in other countries, and I've been to Norway and Germany, and I leave for Iceland in five days for the first time in the Netherlands later this year and Scotland and Croatia and Italy next year. (laughs) Like pinch me, right? (laughs) It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Gosh. And so this is like a global community now that Mm -hmm. you just keep this, this net is just woven and you just keep finding yourself in these new places doing this work with 
yes people that are like-minded or seeking or whatever yes yeah Jean White Eagle told me years ago um, you know when I was scared and afraid and she said Robbie just keep saying yes and show up mm-hmm. yeah. and magic will happen and she's been right so when somebody I've never met from Germany says a friend of mine in South Africa danced the fire dance there your ceremony um, would you bring it here the answer is yes and people didn't understand that you know when I said yes we'll go to Germany and you know my mother and you know friends and even my husband was kind of like really you don't know this person and I said I don't have to she's asking for this ceremony she's asking for this teaching and we went and I think we had people from seven different countries come and dance in East Germany which dancing in that place and on that land prayer you know prayerful dancing was hard it was hard work and and a very deep deep ceremony Um, but yeah so I have always done what Jean has said I just keep saying yes and I show up and well it's how I got here you invited me I said yes that's right right. so Yeah, yeah, saying yes keeps that door open. Absolutely, absolutely. I, it's funny. I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm, I'm watching you talk, and Debbie, you might be having the same experience. But it's almost like you're like you're like shape shifting in front of me. Mm. It's almost like I'm seeing the twelve other selves mm. that you were, have been, mm. are, that keep finding yourselves in these other countries. And oh, I, I'm called here. I have to do here. Mm. This German connection. This Norway connection. This mm-hmm. da da. It's incredible. Mm. Um, I've had others say that too. Yeah, it's like you change shape right mm-hmm. in front of. <laughs> I had a student tell me the other day. She said, "One minute you were young, the next minute you were old." No offense, but <laughs> no offense taken. I think it's the aspects of myself, yeah. and I think it's the the thinning of the veil and working with the spirits and the guides, and they come through a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're curious and they take a look at what's happening through me. I mean, I can honestly say that hasn't happened to me before. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. Debbie and I are both intuitives in different ways, but I have mm-hmm. never sat in front of somebody where I'm like, energetically, you are shifting mm-hmm. as you're speaking. Mm-hmm. That is really gorgeous, by mm-hmm. the way. Thanks. <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard I wish to... I could take credit, but you know. <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. gonna be after you leave. I'm gonna be sitting with that a little longer. Like that is very interesting. Yeah. There's a strong crow medicine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a shame and there's a shaman book on my shelf that I feel like is going to like <laughs> uh, push its way off the shelf by the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> like me. Yeah. Like yes. yeah. Can you finally yeah. open me back up? Yeah. So tell tell us. Um, you know, people, I think, are that don't, like you were once the person, like, what do you mean, sweat lodge, you know? Right. Tell us what a shame, you know, we know that a shaman is here in service, and we know that there is a, um, a spiritual quality of holding community and letting people make these really deep connections. Mm. But tell us what a shaman, um, like, what is shamanism? Mm. You know what? How? What is a deeper way where we can, where we can reduce any fear or any? Well, well I still don't understand what it is. Mm. Um, and why is it so popular? Why is there a resurgence? Mm. Uh, yeah, big questions. So um, I use the word shaman as an umbrella because every indigenous culture around the world has their very specific um, healers. You know, medicine people, um, and there's different words to describe them in different cultures. 
And the word shaman has become this big umbrella in the same way that the word Kleenex means tissue. You know, I may ask you for a Kleenex, you're going to hand me a puff. So it doesn't matter, you know, it's still, mm-hmm. you know, a tissue, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my quick metaphor for that. Um, but in, in the truest sense of what a shaman is, is an intermediary between this world and the other worlds, mm-hmm. the other dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, and why is it so becoming so popular now? Because we are seeing more and more. And, you know, I love the Facebook quizzes. And by the way, if you're taking the Facebook quiz that says, you know, you could be a shaman and don't know it, don't click on it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it is a deep, deep calling in a Facebook quiz. You know, I love that, the 12 reasons you could be a shaman and didn't know it. Um, (laughs) But there is a very, very deep, deep connection, and it's a deep calling. And it it is a deep and grounded commitment and responsibility um, that anyone that I know has stepped onto this path does not take lightly. And so in the popularity, you know, in this trendiness about shamanism, I see the word used um, to mean any kind of healing work. And it's, it is not any kind of healing work. It is very, very specific about moving in and working with the spirits, specifically going into trance, you know, going into altered states of being in order to work with the spirits, um, you know, spirit guides, animal spirit medicines, you know. And so that is the, you know, the definition of a shaman. And so um, while there are amazing healing modalities out there, and I call on my healer friends all the time for the different modalities, um, every healer is not a shaman. There is this very specific work that we do. And then there is the broader work that we do, um, which is different healing modalities, physical work, you know, working on people to move energy, um, you know, Reiki, things like that, um, while I don't have any attunements or anything, you know, I, the spirits guide me in how to move energy and how to do that work. Mm-hmm. And it is rooted deeply in community. So when this community, I started creating this community and opening up to community, I had no idea that it was also the root of my spiritual work. So it has evolved, and like I said, I'm not clever enough to figure it all out and make a plan for that. It's what has happened. And, um, and why the resurgence now? Whew, you know, that's a really big question, but what I see and what I believe is that in the course of humanity, we have never been more polarized than we are now. Mm-hmm. We have never been more in the us and them mindset than we are now. And our modern culture has done that. I mean, you know, and it's not just about the politics. You know, I think about my high school. We had our rival, us and them, you know, and, and sports team fans, my team, your team is not as good. There are so many places in our lives that we create that us and them, that polarity, you know, and shamanism is about eliminating that. And it is so needed now because shamanism tells us and teaches us in every single culture that we are connected to all things, that we are all equal, that there is no one being on the planet greater than or less than another. And by being, I mean not only two-legged beings, but the four-leggeds and the rooted beings, the rocks and the waters. Mm -hmm. There is no one being more important 
or less important than any other one. An ant on the ground outside is equally as important in its life and its being as I am in mine. And that is the teaching of shamanism. That is, that is how any shaman holds space and does this work, is recognizing that, that we are all one. So why we need it now and why people are kind of grabbing at it, even if they're grabbing at bits and pieces and don't understand it fully, mm -hmm. I think because we are all one, there's that underlying connection where people recognize there's something there. Mm -hmm. There is something there mm -hmm. that is going to benefit. And so it looks like a trend and it looks like the cool thing to do or the cool thing to say. But on a much deeper vibrational level, mm -hmm. you know, our very being is crying out for community. Yeah. Our very being is crying out for connection. And people are in pain. And they yes. know that whatever the current situation is or experience is, it's not meeting the heartfelt desires yes. and needs of the person. Yes. And they're crying out in pain and they're kind of like, who do I turn to? Where do I go exactly. to get the support or the healing or the guidance? Yes. And, you know, we are, by nature, designed to live communally. Mm -hmm. We are designed that way. And so, you know, I have people say, but I live in a great neighborhood. Well, do you does your neighbor come mow your lawn if you miss a day? Do, you know, do, is there help? Do, are you all working together to create that community? No, I'm responsible for my little boundary, mm -hmm. you know, and my little plot. Mm -hmm. And living in a neighborhood like that, while it's beautiful, is not communal. Mm -hmm. And that's what we miss. You know, that's what we miss. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having a neighborhood party once a month or something like that is great and it brings connection, but it's not living in community. Mm -hmm. And we miss that. And I think we long for that. Mm -hmm. So we try to create this, these communities in ways where we can find it in this world. And so that's why the resurgence in this, because at its very core, it is communal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's connection. Mm. Yeah, and you know, people a lot of times in that neighborhood, in a neighborhood like that, continuing with that particular mm. example, you know, they find themselves, you know, it becomes all about the wine at right. the get together. And right. Everybody's drinking too much, because right. there's no real thing happening there. Right. No real thing happening there. When, when you speak, what I, what I hear, you know, I love how you say that there's so many healing modalities. Mm -hmm. and, but that doesn't mean that they are shamanism. Correct. And I think mm -hmm. from, for Debbie and I, from this perspective, that's very clear to us. That, mm -hmm. every, that there's all these different paths. Mm -hmm. But correct me if I'm wrong, that what I see in shamanism is like, there's a return to very tribal things. Mm -hmm. And there is a huge earth, earth connection yes. and manifestation with how the medicine and the healing takes place. Yes. And there's a huge ceremonial component. Yes. For that. Yes. And um, so, whereas I might be a medium and Debbie might be a channeler and mm -hmm. she does Reiki mastery energy work or, mm -hmm. or whatever we're not necessarily going to pull all those particular elements together in order mm. to connect with the ancient ones or do this healing work. Right. But it sounds like a shaman is going to really go down to those kind of roots. Yes. That are really old. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And there are um, traditions within each cultural path of shamanism. They're very, very important um, that, you know, following those traditions 
as a medicine person is crucial. It's crucial. And as, um, as one of my teachers, uh, Joseph Rael, Beautiful Painted Arrow, as he has said, um, <clears throat> we must know the traditions. We must understand why and how it's been done for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and then don't get stuck in form. Which means to me is that it's important that I know these traditions, all the things that he's taught me, all the things that Gene White Eagle has taught me, the things that the Sangomas have taught me. It's important that I understand why. Mm -hmm. Because when I understand why, and then I get very clearly in a ceremony or in a healing session that I'm to deviate from that, I know what the ramifications are. Mm -hmm. I know what it means to move outside of my traditions and to do it in a good way. And so that's crucial. Mm -hmm. And with the trendiness of shamanism, the traditions are not being taught. You know, there is a long lineage of teachers and it's important in these different traditions mm -hmm that if someone is going to step on the path of shamanism and they feel really called to it, to number one, understand what path they're called to. Mm -hmm. You know, is it South American shamanism? Is it African? Is it Celtic? Is it Native American? Is it, you know, what path is it that you're called to? Mm -hmm. And then find a teacher mm -hmm. and understand those traditions because the truth is not understanding those traditions can be dangerous. Right. It's not easy to move in and out of the other worlds and it's not easy to commune with the spirits and it can take a toll physically and emotionally and even mentally you know I do believe that there are a lot of people in mental institutions who really have this ability but don't understand and and nobody else understood to help them move through it and there are many um, many shamanic um, practitioners around the world who work with people who are in who have diagnoses that are not necessarily um, textbook, mm -hmm. if that makes a difference. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all mental illness, I'm saying I believe that there are some. Mm -hmm. so, um, so when I say that you know, this is dangerous, that's what I mean, that you know, we have to know some people go into the spirit world and they like it there and they don't come back. You know? And so mm -hmm. from a mental standpoint, they're no longer stable in this world. Mm -hmm. So working with that, so, it, so the trendiness of it does scare me a bit, mm -hmm. and the best that I can do is hold my space and speak my truth and know that we're all on a path and we all experience those things that we need to and that we sign up for, mm -hmm. um, and it can be scary to watch. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So the traditions are crucial. Joseph also says, and I love that he says this about ceremony, that um, you know the spirits... And, and creator spirit does not need ceremony, doesn't need all the pomp and circumstance. We humans do. We need the ceremony, we need the ritual mm -hmm. to remind us of how sacred it is. Yeah. We need it, right. not them. Them. Right. <laughs> them that hover around, right, right. they don't need it. So yeah. I've, you know, I find that fascinating. So, yeah. um, so for me, stepping into ceremony and doing it in a traditional way, um, for me is about staying humble to all of those that have come before and all of those that have taught me and to understand that there is a reason and a why to everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So it's about staying in a place of humility. It's not me creating anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm able to be that hollow bone, as we call it in my tradition, mm -hmm. that channel mm -hmm. for spirit to move through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Follow up. laughs> 
No, I just love, I mean, I, I, some things that, that I heard in there. I know, can you breathe a few questions out, Deb? <laughs> some, let me get this out real quick. Um, some things that I, that I heard in there was um, something that, that Debbie and I are, are you know, pretty aware of these days, which is that you, there, there are reasons why some of that pre-conventional wisdom is set in place because mm -hmm. that tradition has a component of safety to it. Mm -hmm. It makes sense for this to be set in place and you have to know it. Mm -hmm. In order to deviate from it, you gotta know what the mm -hmm. foundation is. Mm -hmm. And you, when we, before we started the show, you said, look, there's some things I can't teach online mm -hmm. because they're visceral. Right. And you got to get it in your body and in yourself, and mm -hmm. you got to get the foundation, you know, before you can run off and start doing it on your own. Yes. Um, I love that, and I think that um, I worry about that and so many of our spiritual um, pathways because I think that people, because the idea is you can make a direct connection with the divine. Mm -hmm. That is kind of the, the whole premise of spirituality. Yes. But sometimes I think we can get lost on, we can get hyper-focused not on, we hyper-focused on the thing that we need, not mm -hmm. the thing that is. So you say, you can get hyper-focused on ceremony for ceremony's sake. Right. Um, and miss that actually don't really need that. God, the divine doesn't need it, the connection. Correct. It's a way of honoring, but some, some people on path, spiritual path, can get hyper-focused there and they're missing the whole point. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yes. they're also making it about kind of an ego relationship with that practice. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and that happens whether you're in mainline religion or whether you're in spiritual practice Absolutely. or shamanism. Absolutely, yes. So, I, I love that, and I love the responsibility that we have as healers and people that work in spirituality that we re need to really know what we're doing mm -hmm. before we take people that don't aren't nearly as far down the path, before we urge them up the path, because yes. they can be... Yes. They can become very confused. Mm -hmm. There is a deep, deep responsibility to any healing work, any healing work. Mm -hmm. in, in my belief, um, when I sit with someone, whether it's in private, um, private session or in circle, but when I sit with someone, I recognize yeah. that I take responsibility for all of my actions and everything that I do, and I am responsible to their soul. I'm responsible to their soul. Mm -hmm. And that's the commitment that a shaman makes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to doing this work because it is deep, deep spiritual work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the responsibility I don't take lightly. And so understanding that, I'm not so quick to jump in and go, sure, I can do that. You know, I, you know it is a deep responsibility and I want to make sure I have done all of my due diligence there is no quick pathway to this. Mm -hmm. And I do find you know, that there are so many people who want to learn and they feel very connected, but we live in a world of fast food and instant gratification. And there are many people who want to, as my grandmother would say, dabble you know, in something and not step in to really, um, I don't wanna say pay the dues, but make the commitment to really know these things, you know, to go down the path. It, it's not a weekend course, you know, that you can suddenly go, I'm gonna be a shaman, I'm gonna sign up for a weekend course, and then at the end, you know, I'm gonna be a, a, a shamanic priestess or something like that. Um, I, I, I did have one person ask me that, you know, in the course that I teach, um, 
And she wanted to know at the end, would she be a shamanic priestess or could she call herself a shaman? And I said, you can call yourself whatever you want to. That's between you and spirit. I do not have the power to make you anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no certificate. There's no graduation. There's no plaque to hang on the wall. Because when you step onto this path, it is a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. And it is a lifelong commitment. There's no goalpost. There's no end. Mm -hmm. There's no... You know, graduation. No, it's not opening a book and just reading it, and then all of a sudden right. you have all that. It's it is personal experience. Right. I mean, day in and day out, and yes, you know, the visceral experience, and it's it's in the body, and it's that marriage of spirit in the body, and it's yes. whether it's a, a a true remembering, yes, of you know what your soul knows but needs regrounding in, yes. in this lifetime. Yes. Um. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that has to be experienced. So Joseph told me that I wasn't to have a teacher, that I just needed to remember, that I needed to remember that it was in my DNA. Mm-hmm. Well, that scared me more than anything. And what I have found in that, and, and what I understand now, is that he meant I was not to have a teacher. I have so many mm-hmm. teachers around the world. And, um, you know, in... in traditional sense Mm -hmm. usually people are referring to one person as their teacher because they have a lifelong commitment with that teacher Mm -hmm. I have four apprentices and it is a lifelong commitment that I have to them to teach and share with them what I know I did not have a teacher in that sense but I had many many teachers Mm -hmm. and they opened up and I did need to remember Mm -hmm. but it wasn't in the sense that I needed to remember like you know like oh somebody you know does a ceremony and then suddenly I know it is that I needed to remember who I am. Mm -hmm. Not the teachings and the ceremony and the traditions, those have been taught to me. Mm -hmm. I needed to remember who I am. Mm -hmm. And so for my apprentices, the four that I work with and that I have this commitment with, my hope is is that they will far surpass anything that I know and anything that I can do. And I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the goal for me and it's not even a, you know, a mark, Mm -hmm. it's just that that's the that's the thing because this world and humanity needs it Mm -hmm. we need everyone doing this work who is truly called to do this work Mm -hmm. in a deep level Mm -hmm. you know we need it yeah 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 Mm. i think that um what is so interesting is that when you have somebody that's coming and asking for a certification Mm -hmm. it's because it's a person who still has a foot has a foot over in this paradigm and another in this paradigm and there's a fear there how, yes. how am I going to be of worth in this particular society yes. and sustain myself mm-hmm. if you don't give me a certification yes, yeah. yes. And, mm-hmm. and that's a very real question mm-hmm. it is it's a very real question and one that probably mm-hmm. um, takes some years of, of um, making some very practical transitional choices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until you are fully at a growth point where the universe says, you know what, now you can support yourself this way. Right. But it seems that the universe won't really let those doors exactly open until you get to that growth point. It's, it seems that way. It, it's fascinating. Um, I was invited to teach at Findhorn in Scotland, which is, I think, the longest communal Commun- I don't know what you call it, community living place. Um, and and I was just thrilled I'm going to teach at Findhorn. And, you know, I will admit I had a minute of going, I get to teach at Findhorn. <laughs> you know, because people recognize the name and things like that. 
Well, okay, you know, spirit knows how to keep me in my place, right? Because <laughs> the next thing that the, the people at Finhorn wanted to know was, is my teaching accredited? And so I had to step back into that back into that space and say, you know what? Accredited by who? Who is gonna give me accreditation? And you know, I can say sure and write my own accreditation or something like that, but that's not the truth. You know, the teaching that I do is in the old way. It, it's through stories and it's through hands-on. And you know, I don't hand things to my students so that they read it and study it and come back and take a test. You know, it's a sharing. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, I said, I, you know, I just said the truth. I'm not accredited. You know, I'm a teacher and I teach in other places around the world and I would love to teach there. And if it works, fantastic, you know. And what they came back and said was that they would love to have me teach at Findhorn, but I wouldn't be teaching in their university, which honestly suits me just fine. <laughs> so I'm teaching in the community uh -huh. rather than in the okay. university. So that makes more, you know, that makes more sense to me. And they have standards that people expect when they come to Findhorn University, mm -hmm. you know, their school of what they're going to receive. And I wasn't willing to shift and change on my end and um, it's still going to work. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, but it, it, it is the world that we live in. Yeah. You know, we need validation. We need outside validation, we need accreditation, we need certification, we need all of these things. When the truth is the path of shamanism is ultimately between one person and spirit. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And that's a, a very difficult transition for mm -hmm. someone who, like you, or right. like, you know, like Kendall, is shifting from one paradigm into the next. Right. And there's that whole in-between phase of mm -hmm. one foot in the old world, one foot in the new world. and. Mm -hmm and figuring out how to navigate that path and right. how to how to be credible in the public eye right. and at the same time still being true to what your beliefs are mm. and how you understand it mm -hmm. to yes. be yes mm -hmm. and and how to communicate that in a way so that people can trust and can mm -hmm. receive the healing and the guidance mm -hmm. that that we're here to share mm. yeah and uh, you know i think that we're headed towards a world where where i think the charlatans of the world kind of spoiled it for the rest yes, you know i think sure. of course in our society we're looking for how do i know that i can trust you how do i know yes. that you've done the work you said you've done yes i'm gonna put i'm gonna become vulnerable in your hands as your student yes um so i understand that that's why we have all this in place mm -hmm. but i do think that as we evolve as a people and i hope i hope hopefully it's sooner than later and it's happening now i believe that we'll start to have new ways to understand mm -hmm. how somebody is credential mm. or qualified yes. um, and that those allowances like what was made by Finhorn will be more common right uh, you know almost like what's the degree you can get um, for your life work from a university later in life they give you an honorary honorary degree yes, yes. Honorary. Yeah, an honorary degree you know yeah. almost like we'll go we'll go that way but um, you know I I love that when we talk about this, you know, I want to revisit this part of the conversation because when you sat down and it's like this whole idea of, of, of okay, I'm going to step into this work and I'm going to be this leader of this community and mm -hmm. have this business and, and you're like, ooh, ah, you know, like, <laughs> right. you're like I don't know. Um, yeah. you know, I need this to be more of a wheel. I need it to be right. more of a wheel. This is community, you know. I think it's our dream. It's it's mine and Debbie's dream for sure, and I think it, it's your dream as well that 
that um, there's a new definition for all that mm. that's coming yeah. forward. And people are understanding that what a business means today is different than what it meant yesterday. Mm -hmm. And what a leader means, mm -hmm. it, it's like the work of Simon Sinek when he says leaders eat last. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they, they're, with their, they're with their people, but they're also holding a vision mm -hmm. that if they weren't holding it, the thing would fall apart. Yes. Um, or would or would change, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and so I'm hoping that more people come to the table and are able to own Yes, I do lead this I do hold mm. this I this is a business mm. and here's my definition of that Right, and it's more rich than any definition we used to have yes because then yes. we're not wounded by that Yes, you know, then we're not walking around as healers We've run I've run into other healers who don't want to call themselves I, I'm not the boss of this. I'm, I'm not the boss here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, you are. You are. <laughs> right. But let's get a new definition under right. That, that, right. that is the definition that all of our ancestors would say. This is what that really yes. means. Yes. You know, so we can be healed and offer that out. But, mm. um, you know, I just, your work, um, I want people to know ways that they can connect with you. Look. The hour is up, and and and, and I and, yeah we have right? well, yeah. we have regret We're, uh, every time it's like no. there's separation anxiety. Yeah. No, I'm talking yet. It's just the saddest thing. Um, we we want people to understand why they would come to you for um, what what you're up to, why they would come to you, what are the services, you know, why why would they need to give you a call? Mm. Hmm. Well, I don't know. No. <laughs> um, yeah, good question. I would say that for my um, for the work that I do privately, one on one, mm -hmm. you know, for people who are feeling um, blocks or being you know feel that they're being held back or repeating patterns that are coming up in their lives that don't make any sense, you know, those are the things that you know I work with of clearing that of opening up, whether it's through hands-on healing, whether it's through ceremony. Um, you know, I, I do soul retrieval work, which is some of the deepest, most personal work that I do, um, all the way through cord removal, um, moving energy, blessing. You know, I, I yeah. <laughs> You do a lot. Yeah, yeah really, I'm not sure how to say exactly yeah. what. Yeah. Um, I hear that if someone is called to how we've described your work today, mm. if they think that is a journey I want to take, mm. um, otterdance.com yes. right, is your mm -hmm. website. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Debbie um, needs to enroll. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I, I told her, I'm like, I think I'm taking your six months. things going on in South America and I'm thinking do I need to talk to Robbie about that I, there's, <laughs> there's some work for me there right but um practical shamanism course you are starting November 4th mm -hmm. six-month program yes can you tell yes. us a little bit about that um yeah it's six months and we will meet one Saturday a month for six months and so that gives time in between um, gatherings to integrate uh, it can be really really deep work and um, you know basically what I teach and share through my own experiences um, are the are the fundamental basics you know the foundation of shamanism 
the, the foundational traditions that are true across the board in, in most cultural practices of shamanism. So it doesn't matter which path you're called to. Um, I have had people go through my course who are Sangoma, who are already initiated Sangomas when I taught in South Africa, Andean shamans in the Peruvian tradition, um, Rastafarians, uh, Santeria, uh, Native American path. So this course is really about teaching the fundamentals underneath it all. And for me, it is a jumping off point for people to step into their own experience of shamanism and whatever that looks like for them and how they decide to step in. Um, but it, it's also the basics enough to understand safety, you know, to, to not do things in a haphazard kind of way. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of hands-on in it. There's a lot of ceremonial work that we do. Um, and as most of my students from the past would share, there's a lot of life-shifting experiences that happen outside of the course. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as we all know, once you say yes, thank you, Jean, <laughs> once you say yes, then spirit starts lining things up mm -hmm. for this to happen. Mm -hmm. And so once you say yes to stepping on a path as a healer, as, you know, on a shamanic path, mm -hmm. then things start shifting outside of the course um, to make sure that's happening. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a deep experience <laughs> and, and for me too every time I teach while I teach you know each course I teach these same principles they're taught in a different way depending on who's in the room mm -hmm. and how it comes through and how spirit is you know shifting and guiding me to to share so everyone becomes very very different yeah can I, uh, let's say a Jewish person or a Christian person says mm -hmm. you know what something's calling me here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they come. <laughs> no, come. I have. In fact, I just met with one of my um, former students, and she is a Christian woman from the South. And she's, you know, identifies herself, mm -hmm. and she saw something in herself that that needed to expand, and so she took the course, and during the course, um, it, it was revealed to me. But just by her talking, she was a beekeeper, and she started talking about her connection to bees and all of this, and so. I said, you know, I'm going to introduce you to someone in, um, in Europe who um, teaches bee shamanism. You, you, it, it's going to be good for you to wow. come out. So even while she was still in the six-month course with me, she traveled to, I don't remember where she was. Oh, it was California. They were coming to Joshua Tree. And she met with the Melissa there, the Melissa or the bee shamans. And so she is now on a path of the Melissa and still very much Christian. And it is in alignment with her, you know, root beliefs in mm -hmm. Christianity. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing what's unfolding for her. It is incredible. So, um, and you know, in a, in a conversation just yesterday as well, I was speaking with someone who was referring to, a, the, to the Jewish mystics. Mm -hmm. You know, and there are Christian mystics. There is a sect of Christian mystics here in, um, in Charlotte, in the mm -hmm. Charlotte area. So, you know, religion, organized religion, still has its roots, roots in mysticism. Absolutely. And that is what shamanism is. Mm -hmm. So I say to the Christian and Where's the, the, and the Jewish the person who wants to come in, come on, let's explore this together. Oh Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I love that because it's, it's it's gorgeous. Where is the bell, Debbie? We forgot. It's at the front door. It's <laughs> at the front door in case somebody comes in while we're in here talking. You know, uh, Lighthouse has will be doing spiritual fellowship on Sundays mm. where we put, we'll focus on mysticism. That's mm-hmm. all we're going to, that's mm-hmm. what we're going to do. We're going to explore it in every mm-hmm. way, shape, and form because it is at the root of everything. Mm-hmm. And so what I love is that I do believe that there are a thousand and one gates mm-hmm. that lead to the orchard of mystical truth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, a Eli Wiesel, um, something that he said. And so that when you go through these type of experiences, it may take you even deeper into a truer truth of where you already Absolutely. are practicing. It Absolutely. may take you into a new combination mm-hmm. of how you are practicing. Mm-hmm. Because I believe there are people that have been working for lifetimes with Jesus. Absolutely. Jesus, you know, the Christ consciousness. Some people working lifetimes over here. And there's a, there's a play. This practice will allow that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even increase the possibility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up in the the Baptist church, and I don't feel a divergence from my original core teachings Mm -hmm. around religion and Christianity. Um, You know, while I no longer attend a weekly church, my church is in the sweat lodge, you Mm -hmm. know, and out in nature, um, I don't feel that that I had to choose one or the other. I don't feel like I had to, you know, separate that um, it all does connect, and we are all one, and all of these paths are one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There's truth in all of them. Mm, absolutely. Oh, it's just too gorgeous for words. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it is, ironically, since we have a podcast. But, <laughs> um, so, um, I just want to point people to otterdance.com. That's mm-hmm. a capital O and a capital D. I don't know if that makes a difference. It doesn't. It's just easier to read that way. Okay. <laughs> And on Facebook, um, they can find you through what page? Um, sure, my personal page, Robbie Warren. Robbie Warren. Okay. Um, or my, I have a one of those business pages, which is Robbie Warren, um, founder of Otter Dance. Robbie Warren, comma Otter Dance Earth Medicine founder. Oh yes, you know it better than okay. I do. Yes. <laughs> Robbie Warren, comma Otter Dance Earth Medicine founder. Yes. And. There is an event there um, for November 4th. You can actually look under the events on Facebook or go straight to her page. It's called Practical Shamanism Course, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. happening November 4th. You really lay it out in detail, some of the practices that you're going to be doing. Now that I'm seeing that, now I feel that both Debbie and I both have to go. (laughs) Very clear that we both have to go. Awesome. Um, And we got to get you up to Morrisville because... um, you, you are, as far as we know, the shaman. Uh, the shaman. Uh, okay, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there that way. That's all I'm going to say. There could be others. I know there are, but that's what we're going to say. How about how about the shaman in residence? <laughs> that'd, be our, that'd be our hope, our dream. But um, we just, we are so excited to learn from you and to mm. watch you turn into 12 different spirits right here at the table. And that was just... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my it. gosh. And, um, and Iceland, um, I know before we go, it, I swear I'm not stalling. I just forgot to ask this. <laughs> I always have to send it and be like, Debbie, take us out, please. Last thing, 
What on earth is a fire dance? We need to know. Oh, and we're over time, and you we want are. me to talk about the fire dance. Whew. Can that happen in two minutes? I will nutshell it for you okay. if I can. Okay. Um, in 2009, I was dancing a women's dance, the Women's Web of Life dance, back at the Center for Peace um, in Tennessee. Um, and I was literally transported to another place in another dimension and um, with the ancestors, with our most ancient ancestors. And they showed me the ceremony of the fire dance. They gave me the dance. And um, it is a three-day medicine dance. And the message from the ancestors was, um, it's time for us to remember who we are. We have forgotten and that we are at a pivotal point in humanity and that dropping all of the blocks and the false beliefs and the things that block us from understanding that we are divine, that that is what's happening in the world today. Mm -hmm. And so we have a choice. And the fire dance is one of those ways to release those blocks, to come back into your own divine being, your own sacred self, mm -hmm. so that you can then move out into the world mm -hmm. in a way that brings your truest passion and creativity. Because that's what we need to change the trajectory that humanity is going in. Mm -hmm. So it is a three-day medicine dance. We dance with five fires in the medicine wheel. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's profound. It is profound experience. It is life-changing. It has been life-changing for me. Um, and for those that have danced this dance and for those who have come to support on the crew have also had life-changing experiences and moved into the world afterwards in a different way. You're doing that in Iceland in a few days. And yes. when do we get one in Charlotte? The um, last weekend in October. We will be dancing. I don't know the dates right off the top of my head. I think it's the 27th, 28th, and 29th. And at Sacred Grove? At Sacred Grove Retreat. We will be dancing um, those three days there. Mm -hmm. There is a Facebook event on that, and it's also on my website as well for anybody who is interested in participating. Okay. Mm. Oh my gosh. All take, kinds of exciting things. Take us out, <laughs> Ronnie, we are just so thankful and so blessed that you came and sat with us today and shared from your heart today. Thank you. And um, I know I can speak for Kendall. I think we are both really looking forward to doing more work with you personally. Thank you. Yes. It's been fun, and your space yeah. is incredible. Thank it you. is so beautiful here at the Lighthouse. It is incredible. Thank so. you. Thank you. I'm, I'm grateful I get to be the first podcast from here. So, yeah, yay! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Okay. Yeah.